You're listening to The Health Classes You Missed. My name is Monica and I'm a secondary school health teacher with a passion for all things health. Whether you're currently at school or you finished 20 years ago, this podcast will help you understand those topics that may have been skimmed over, considered inappropriate or flat out ignored. So sit up straight, faces forward, let's get into it. everyone in today's episode we are talking all things emotional literacy now this may be a common term for some people but i also wouldn't be surprised if some adults or some older people listening to this have no idea what's meant by this term in high school i guess in health class this topic comes under respectful relationships and it involves teaching students how to understand themselves their emotional state and others emotional state how to i guess regulate your emotions having self-awareness and learning how to deal with and have healthy respectful relationships so you may be listening to this and think how does this apply to me in my adult life emotional literacy is a building block to having emotional intelligence. So of course, I will give you a bit more detail about this throughout the episode, uh, but a lot of people struggle to understand, I guess, whether or not they do have emotional intelligence or a lot of people think that they do, but maybe after listening to this, you'll find that there may be a few things that you need to work on which of course is fine. We are all human. We all have things to work on and listening to this is a great place to start. So first things first, what is emotional literacy? In short, it is the ability to understand ourselves and other people. So it involves being aware of, understanding and using information about the emotional state of ourselves and others to navigate society and relationships. It's also the ability to understand, express, and manage our own emotions and respond appropriately to the emotions of others. Now, the literacy part just refers to the personal and social learning that we, I guess, gain throughout our entire life. So emotional literacy is something that we always have to improve on and work on. For example, when we're young, we, you know, have tantrums when we don't get our own way, we yell, we scream, and that's because we don't know how to regulate our emotions. And when we get older, we have to learn how to do this in order to, I guess, fit into society and function as a normal human being. Although some people don't do this. Some people don't learn how to manage and regulate their emotions. And this can create confrontation. This can create conflict at school, at work, with friends or family or other relationships. We have to be responsible for our emotions and our actions. And that is something that people have to learn throughout the entire lifespan. So being, I guess, the bigger person is being emotionally literate. Now, if you've heard of that term, being the bigger person, I guess that just refers to being responsible in the way that you react to others and the way that you regulate your own emotions. So in this episode, I'm going to go through the five key factors to emotional literacy and how to recognize and improve these factors. So 
The first is self-awareness. Now, self-awareness is the ability to identify and recognize your own emotions and the emotions of others. It's about having an accurate perception of yourself and how others perceive you. And it's also about recognizing your strengths, your weaknesses, your needs, and understanding how they relate to your core values. So how do you improve your self-awareness? One of the first things you can do is to identify your strengths and weaknesses. Now, I really, really struggle. I don't know if you could tell when I said strength strengths the first time. It's a word that for some reason I cannot get out of my mouth properly. So please just ignore that whenever I say this word throughout this episode, as it does come up a few times. Now, understanding the things that bring us up and the things that hold us back is really, really important. So for example, are you stubborn? Does this affect relationships in your life? Do you find yourself struggling with something, maybe at work, maybe at school, and you don't want to ask for help because, well, you're stubborn. (laughs) Small things like this can actually have quite an impact on our life, whether that be our relationships, our work, our school, and we often don't realize how much of an impact these kind of small weaknesses or our strengths have on our lives until we sit back, we focus, and we reflect on them. Now, this can be easier said than done, actually identifying these strengths and weaknesses. So a simple idea can be to ask the people that are close to you. You could ask them, what am I good at? What do you value in me as a person? Or what do you think I can work on? Now, if you do decide to do this, of course, you have to be open to feedback. And more importantly, you also have to be open to change. There are some really good resources around that can help. They're kind of question cards and things like that. One of them are are called Reflex Cards. They're by Flex Mommy. Or there is also a podcast called Do You Effing Mind? I won't say the swear word on this podcast. And they also have a pack of cards with kind of these prompting questions that kind of force you to reflect and think back on yourself and your own characteristics and the things that may be holding you back. A second way to improve your self-awareness is to know your values. So knowing what is important to you in yourself and in other people is so important. This will often determine who you spend time with, who you click with, who your friends are. Now examples of some values that maybe you have or you look for in other people are things like honesty, respect, loyalty, uh, family could be a value, even open-mindedness. And it's also important to make sure that if you value something in someone else, you are also reflecting that value to others. This is because if you value honesty, for example, but you're not an honest person, That's quite a contradiction. So you want to make sure that the things that you value are things that are important enough to you that you also exhibit the same value. Now, I hope that makes sense. I hope that I didn't say value too many times then. Of course, if you're unsure, personality tests are also a great way to guide you. So there's something called the Myers-Briggs or the SHL personality test. Now, these are not like a diagnosis for your personality. It's just a way to kind of see how you have developed attitudes attitudes, uh, you know, understanding your behaviors and your characteristics. They often are quite long. They have quite a few questions, uh, but they are really great to kind of give you an overview into your personality type and potentially help you understand maybe why you've got certain attitudes, behaviors, things like that. 
Now, a third way to increase your self-awareness is to pay attention to what annoys you or irritates you about other people. Now, this is something that we should always reflect on. In a situation where you react negatively to something or someone and you don't know why, it's important to ask yourself and to reflect on it. Because if you don't know why, it is potentially because of something within yourself. Now, this is also a big part of taking responsibility for how you act, how you think, and how you feel about things. And that constant kind of reflection is a really great way to do that. Now, this doesn't, of course, mean being overly critical about yourself in every single situation, whether that's a social situation, whether that's just at work or something like that. It's just about if you're kind of in a situation that maybe something has happened, it annoys you, you may have reacted badly. Badly, maybe you acted well, but it is still important to go back and think, why did that annoy me? Why did I react in that way? And this will help you understand yourself more. I know in Australia in particular, a big one is tall poppy syndrome. Now this is defined as, I guess, people criticizing someone for doing well or being successful. And we've got this thing in Australia where we wanna tear people down. I don't know why. I don't think anyone really knows why it's a thing here. But in terms of that, it's important to know, you know, if you see someone doing well and maybe you feel negatively about it or you feel a little bit jealous or envious or maybe even a little bit spiteful towards that person, really sitting back and thinking, why do I feel that way? So that's, of course, just an example. Uh, There are many, many other situations in which you may react badly or maybe not in the way that you would want to. So, of course, again, that reflection is really, really important to understanding or pulling your up on those behaviors. And that's because if you are someone who lashes out or feels like they can't control their emotional reaction, I know, you know, that's just a human thing. I have definitely struggled with that in the past, and I'm sure I will struggle with that in certain situations in the future. Uh, reflecting on this, though, is a great way to increase your self awareness. So, doing that, maybe even writing it down, understanding and sitting with yourself later and thinking, what made me act like that? Why am I reacting to situations like that? That will not only improve your self-awareness, but afterwards, if you can then take responsibility, apologize if you need to, and make a conscious effort to be better next time, this is a great way to sustain relationships and stick to those values that you have created. The second key factor to emotional literacy is self-management. Now, Self-management is the ability to control impulses and manage stress. It involves our levels of self-motivation and discipline, kind of having goal setting and organization skills. And it's so important for future work, schooling, relationships, and just how you live your life in general. So examples of having, I guess, self-management is being reliable, being adaptable, maybe being able to manage stress or time, things like that. So how do you improve your self-management? Now, a big one is taking care of yourself. Now, this might seem cliche or quite general, but it is actually overlooked by so many people. Eating healthy, getting enough sleep, and regularly exercising is so important for both physical and mental health. And taking care of your mental health is essentially taking care of your emotional health. 
And therefore you can increase your emotional literacy or your emotional intelligence by taking care of both that physical and mental health. Now I said this in my anxiety episode, but of course, again, going back to basics in this way is really, really important. So just taking time out of your day to relax. 14 minutes of your day is only 1%. So surely I think we could all take 1% out of our day, whether that's just that, you know, 14, 15 minutes and relax. You might do this in the form of having a bath. You might do this in the form of going for a run. Maybe it's doing Pilates. Maybe it's making a really healthy dinner and eating it on the couch. Whatever it is, find the time to take care of yourself. A second way to improve your self-management is to set goals. Now, remember that these don't have to be hard or anything that's unattainable, but setting goals improves your self-control. It also increases the chance of you reaching your ambitions. Now, this can be done through journaling. Maybe you like to keep a journal of your goals and update yourself every day, every second day, something like that. You could keep your goals in your notes app on your phone, uh, or you could plan out each day with individual goals. Now, I personally like to do this, that kind of day-by-day thing. I don't like to plan my week in advance. I just like to, the night before, I have kind of a planner that has every single day on it, and I will write down everything that I'm gonna do for the day. Of course, making sure that they are manageable, the things that I'm writing down, and I don't beat myself up if I don't reach every single goal that I make for myself that day. Same if you were going to do it weekly, fortnightly, or monthly. A third way to increase your self-management is to let go of needing to control things or thinking that life is against you. So things are going to happen that you don't agree with or that you don't like. And once again, with the cliche quotes, that is just life. When you actually take a step back and allow things to just happen the way that they're meant to, this can help stress levels and keep you present. So this doesn't mean never getting angry or upset at injustice or when things are not going well. It just means knowing that if things are not in your control, then your reaction or your decisions afterwards are the only things that are up to you. And as I just spoke about before, in terms of self-awareness, being able to control your reactions or at least being able to reflect on your reactions afterwards is so important. So another quick tip for this part is just, I guess, being careful what you expose yourself to. So this is in terms of social media, of course, in this day and age, uh, the influences that you follow, the news that you are kind of watching or listening to, because these things can either make you feel great or they can make you feel absolutely terrible. But it's also really important to remember that that choice is yours. Making that choice to either follow a certain person or to you know, get on your phone and look at Instagram, that is your choice. So make sure that you are doing that with the right intention and making sure that if you do recognize something that is making you feel bad, making you feel stressed, making you compare yourself or feel like, you know, life's against you or something is out of your control, like with the news at the moment, making sure that you log off or you unfollow and remembering that you can just do that. It's fine that you do that. And taking a break, you know, as I said before, taking a break, that is, of course, including your phone, social media, all of those things as well.
we're halfway through the episode and that means that it's time for a brain break. Take 30 seconds now to reset, recharge and breathe. Okay, let's get back into it. So the third key factor to emotional literacy is having social awareness. Now, this is the ability to take the perspective of and have empathy for others. And of course, this includes having respect and includes those from diverse backgrounds and cultures. It also involves understanding social and ethical norms for behavior. So how we are kind of expected to act within society. So how do we improve our social awareness? One of the most important things is knowing how to listen. Now, this is so easy and might seem so simple, but it is so effective. And this, once again, is something that I have had to make a conscious effort to improve on. So I guess when you're in a conversation, active listening involves being totally present and totally engaged in a conversation. It doesn't involve thinking about what you're saying next or thinking about something else while someone is talking to you. It involves taking in what someone is saying to you, learning from people. And this is about respect and knowing what you have to say is not necessarily the most important thing. And that's a lot of people will be in conversation and will be thinking about their next point or what they're saying next and don't actually take in what the other person is putting towards them. This is not good listening, going on your phone as well. That's not good listening. Uh, So making sure that you are understanding and learning those good listening behaviors. Your body language is showing that you're listening too. So this is also, you know, facing the person, eye contact. It also includes using cue words or, you know, nodding your head, all those nonverbal communication skills. These are all really, really important parts of being a good listener. Now, a second part is something that I kind of just touched on, but being socially present. So of course, we are more distracted than ever in this day and age. We know that we've got phones, you know, maybe you've got kids. It makes it hard to kind of concentrate and just be with other people. It also makes it hard to therefore listen to them or pay attention to them. So again, those nonverbal cues make up so much of our interaction, that body language, that eye contact, that nodding, those small cue words, once again, is so important to acknowledging another person, making sure that you are socially present and you are actually listening again to what they are saying. Now, a third way to improve your social awareness is to understand others' cultural norms and rules. So of course, In Australia, we're in a very multicultural country, and this is really important to remember for everything, for life, for when you travel, for when you work, 
all of those things, having cultural awareness is really, really important. Now, this also involves understanding and interpreting cues or reading social situations. So when you do have an awareness of culture, it allows you to understand maybe that some other people's norms are different to ours in a Western society. So for example, in Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander culture, long pauses in conversations or extended periods of silence in conversations is normal and considered respectful and shows that people are listening or taking in what has just been said. Now I know for me, long silences or pauses in a conversation makes me very nervous and very anxious and it makes me want to fill in the silence with words. And of course, when I am then talking to someone who is Aboriginal or Torres Strait Islander, knowing that that is normal and that that is a part of their culture is really important so that I don't do that. I don't fill up that space just with words because that is not considered respectful in their culture. And I can't stress how important this is, not only to understand that in Australia and in terms of our Indigenous community, but also when you are traveling, when you are going overseas and going into other people's uh, countries and homes and lands, it's so important to have that social awareness, that awareness around other cultural norms and rules. The SBS Atlas is a really great website where you can kind of type in any country, any city, and it'll tell you the expected behaviors, the expected cultural norms and rules. Uh, so you can look and you can research that before you either go somewhere or before you meet someone, just in case, just to inform yourself and just to increase your social awareness. Now, the fourth key factor to emotional literacy is relationship skills. So having appropriate communication skills, social engagement and relationship building skills is really important to be able to work cooperatively with people, to understand how to manage conflict and to also understand what is meant by help seeking behaviors or how to communicate with others when you need help. So how do we improve our relationship skills? The biggest one of all, of course, is communication. So if you can't communicate in one way or another, you'll find it really hard to sustain relationships. Now, again, this involves that verbal and nonverbal communication and active listening, once again, is so important. So practicing that active listening. Next time you're in a conversation with someone, making sure you don't look at your phone, even if it vibrates, even if a message pops up, don't look down at it. Put it face down, make sure that you are fully involved and fully engaged in the conversation and that you are practicing that skill because it does take practice. I am a very easily distracted person. I understand that it is really hard to do sometimes and it is very normal to be distracted. But by allowing yourself to be completely immersed in a conversation, you will find that you learn so much more about a person, whether that's at a deep level or just a surface level, you will feel better leaving that conversation knowing that you gave that person all of your attention, you were able to engage fully and that you showed that respect to the other person. Now, of course, communication is a two-way street. So you can practice your active listening, but you also need to know how to respond. So responding in a respectful way, acknowledging your volume or the volume of your voice and your body position is really, really important. It's also important to remember to be friendly in your approach. This is just going to improve the way that people receive whatever you are telling them or whatever you want them to know. And this is also a part of being respectful, being friendly, being nice to people is a way of showing respect. 
However, if you are in a conversation that maybe isn't so friendly, it's also really important to know how to respond calmly and how to get your point across without screaming or yelling at someone else. And this is really important because you are always going to have times of conflict in your life. I touched on that at the very start. No one goes through their life without having confrontation or conflict. So knowing how to calmly and confidently tell people what you want or what is bothering you at a certain time is so important. And again, a good way to do this is to reflect And again, not being overly critical on yourself, but when you are in a conversation and maybe you haven't reacted the best way, maybe you've had a big argument with someone. This could be a family member, a friend, this could be your partner, this could be at school, at work, wherever it is, taking the time to sit back later and think, how could I have reacted better to that situation? That is really, really important. And again, this is a lifelong thing. You're going to have to do this forever. So practicing it as young as you can and as soon as you can means that you may have to spend less time doing it in the future as an adult. Because if you are able to calmly and confidently talk to someone in a conversation and you do have those skills to communicate in that way, you are less likely to get into heated arguments or really aggressive conversations. Another way to improve relationship skills is to see things from others' point of view. So this is, of course, having respect and empathy for people. So maybe if you are having a conversation with someone that is quite uh, intense or it's getting a little bit heated, learning to control your emotions, as I've just touched on, is so important. And there's nothing wrong with stepping back from a conversation, taking a deep breath, remembering, I talked about this at the start, being that bigger person means having that emotional literacy, having that emotional intelligence to say, this is not going to head in a good direction. I'm going to be that person to step back to control my emotions at the time and either come back to this conversation later in a more calm manner or end it all together. And of course, you can't control what the other person does. If the other person is screaming at you, if the other person is yelling at you, All you can do is control the way that you react. And just because someone else is reacting in a certain way does not mean that you have to match their energy. It doesn't mean that you have to scream back at them. There is nothing wrong with being the person to step back and say, this is not good for me. This is not good for this relationship or this is not good for this friendship. This is not good for this work friendship. Whatever it is, it's important to know you are allowed to be that bigger person and you should. Of course, as I said, this is a lifelong learning process. You are always going to find yourself maybe slipping up in this way. And the only thing or the best thing that you can do is to reflect on it later and try better next time. Now, the fifth and final key factor of emotional literacy is responsible decision-making. So this is being able to make constructive choices about personal behavior and social interactions. It's having the skills to evaluate and reflect on your actions and also having a realistic understanding of our consequences for our actions. So how do we improve responsible decision-making skills? Once again, I'm coming back to this, but our values. So this involves understanding or redefining our values. So our values determine our behavior. Our beliefs produce our attitudes and our attitudes produce our feelings and our feelings 
lead to behavior. So that's kind of how that's all tied together. For example, if you don't value honesty or you don't value the law and you decide to steal something. So let's say you steal something because you don't care, you don't value honesty, you don't value having to, you know, be honest, go pay for whatever you're taking. That feeling or value then leads you to steal, which is probably a bad decision. You can get in trouble with the law. If you don't care about the law, it doesn't mean it's just going to go away. It's still there. It just means that maybe your values are not reflecting what it means to be a good part of society or a normal person in society. Normally, we would follow the law. Normally, we wouldn't steal. That's kind of the values that society has put on us, but we should also have on ourselves too, because honesty is, of course, so important. So another example is valuing respect. So that means someone or something might annoy you or anger you, but because you value respect for yourself and for other people, you decide to calmly end the conversation and walk away instead of starting a fight. And that leads to good decision-making because you could have decided, you know what, I'm going to punch this person in the face because I'm angry at them, but you didn't. You turned around, you said, I value respect for me. I value respect for this person, regardless of the situation at the time, I'm going to walk away. That is a good decision for me. That means you're less likely to get hurt. That means you're less likely to hurt another person. So once again, values are really, really important. If you don't know your values, if you've never really thought about what you value, It's a good exercise to sit down and ask yourself, what do I care about? What do I look for in other people? What are the qualities that I like in myself? And what are the qualities that I like in other people? And this will bring about the things that you value. Another way to improve your responsible decision-making is to learn from your experiences. So we will all make good and bad decisions and learning from your mistakes or remembering to reflect on your actions is really, really important. If you end up in a situation you don't like or you're not comfortable with, ask yourself how you got there. What were the decisions that you made that led to you being in this place? It can also be the same with good things. So maybe you think back to a time where you were feeling really good, you were getting a lot of work done. You could ask yourself, how did I feel and what did I do when I ended up being in that great position? What did I do to get there? And this could be little things along the way. Maybe you set some goals, you made a routine, you stuck to that routine, you We're making sure you did 20 minutes of exercise a day. It can just be little things, but these little decisions or these good little decisions allowed you to get to a place that was really positive. And therefore there's that reflection again. It doesn't have to just be in a negative way. It can also be a way to kind of set yourself back into that mindset, into a really healthy mindset in order to continue to make good decisions. The third way to improve your responsible decision-making is to improve your common sense. And this might seem a bit silly, but some people lack common sense. And this is about kind of knowing yourself and having good judgment about things. Of course, again, we gain common sense from experience. So trialing, failing, and repeating throughout life allows us to build upon this common sense. But if people lack perspective, They generally lack common sense. So developing your perspective is a great way to improve your common sense. Now, living with blinders on, that's like a saying or, you know, that's for lacking perspective, leaves you kind of stuck in your own world, which is quite a small world in the scheme of things. 
To improve this, you could improve your listening skills once again. So making sure that you listen to others, you gain empathy, you learn to be compassionate towards other people. And that is, of course, all done by educating yourself on other people, listening to other people, educating yourself on different cultures, on different norms, making sure that you are knowledgeable in that sense is so important. And of course, listening to this episode, understanding more about your own emotional intelligence and emotional literacy will help you do this. So those are the five key factors to increasing emotional literacy and your emotional intelligence. They are self-awareness, self-management, social awareness, relationship skills, and responsible decision-making skills. So of course, you will have noticed listening to this episode that they all interrelate in some way or another, but understanding more about yourself and your values and core beliefs as well as reflecting on this throughout your life is so important. Developing those skills, really knowing yourself or harnessing the way that you react to situations and making sure that you are always striving to do better is so, so important. We all have a responsibility to control ourselves, to control our emotions, to act, I guess, normal within society and make sure that we are being respectful, compassionate and empathetic towards other people. And learning these values, creating these values and core beliefs about yourself will help you to do that. So that is all from me today. I hope that you learned something about emotional literacy and you feel more informed about the ways in which you can increase your emotional intelligence. I hope everyone stays safe and I'll be back in your ears very soon. See you later. 